First Palm Media. Nobody covers dog sledding like mushing from First Paw Media. Our team of athletes, volunteers, race organizers, and mushers like Robert and Michelle Forto brings you closer to the sport. If it's happening, we are there. Live from the qualifying races in January and February, the Iditarod in March, and in the summer, mushing takes you on the road with our team and trail tour. We connect you with the history of the sport, in-depth interviews with the top mushers, and great storytelling and breaking news all year long. Follow on mushing.com. You are listening to Mushing on First Paw Media. Visit our website at mushing.com. Hello and welcome, everybody. This is Robert, and you're listening to Mushing. And I am joined tonight by an Iditarod musher. His name is Mats Peterson. He is from Sweden, and he is currently in Alaska gearing up for the Iditarod. Mats, how's it going today? Hi, Robert. Thanks for thanks for calling me. It's going fine here. We are starting our season up here and just arrived two weeks ago to Alaska. So we're looking forward to everything that comes up now. So you are getting ready to head back over to Sweden to pick up some more of your dogs to bring them over for the race. But before we talk about that, it's my understanding that you have ran in Iditarod eight times, and that is the most of any dog musher outside of the U.S. and Canada. Is that right? Yeah, thanks, Robert. Yeah, that's correct. And we're really proud of it because we are a small, small team. Like we don't have any, like a big group around us and so on. So we did put lots of effort to come over here every, every time we can. But this is my life. This is what I live on to, to go over here and do the race and be, be where I want to be with my dogs. So yeah, so, so we are, we are proud of that. Yeah. Oh yeah. So let's let's back up a little bit. Tell us a bit about how you got started in dogs and that sort of thing. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I'm, I'm living in North Sweden called Kuruna, the town, and it's like you can say we say it's a bit of mushing mecca in North Scandinavia. We have very good conditions there for mushing and winter sports. So when I grew up, I was a hockey player. I was a hockey goalie, goalkeeper. So that's what I did my first years and playing half professional ice hockey. So, and then I always had the interest in wildlife and dogs, and my grandfather was taking care of uh, lots of homeless dogs and so on, so I got hooked up with him. And, and then I told one day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with my own, own dogs and my own, own team. I'm going to at least have three or four dogs myself, I told one day. And uh, yeah, so, so that's happened, and then I just uh, helped him around and starting more with the mushing, uh, with the dog business and so on. After, a friend uh, lost him with his team and so on, and uh, yeah, getting into the sports more and more, and feel like this is what I want to do. So then I put all effort into to working with my dogs and start my company and uh, go mushing, and then I, I end up my hockey career with the goalie after that. So you operate a tour kennel up there in Sweden, right? Yeah, we operate the tour kennel up in North Sweden. We have a Pretty famous ice hotel close to us and so on. So we have a good, good market. The guests coming over and the tourists with us, and we do everything for from the shortest three hours to seven, eight day tours. So, so we do long tours also with the guests and show them uh, how it how it is to take care of dogs and be part of the team and uh, understanding how it works to live with with our family and dogs. So are your visitors, Matts, mostly Scandinavians or are they uh, folks from other places? 
uh, 90% from other places. Oh, so they're up there visiting and they want to find out about the sled dog life. Yeah, the sled dog life and uh, how we live up here. And uh, of course, we also very good Aurora, Borealis, and uh, Northern Lights, and so on. So it's a combination of that. So let's talk a little bit about Iditarod. Uh, you've ran it several times now. When was your first race? My first race was a happy year, 2014. Did you do the same thing that you're doing now where you came over uh, a couple of months early and got started or was it something different? No, it was the same. By the way, like I was saying 2014, maybe you don't remember it, but that's the year we didn't have any snow on the race. And that was my rookie year, so that was a really tough, tough start to, to come up the first year and do the race for 14. And we, we, got, we got three uh, Norwegian guys also did that year coming up, but it was, it was a really rough year to start up with. Uh, well, you have the famous video from Jeff King and the, and the Bulls that year and so on. So, that was for sure a tough year. We, I was staying at the Lake Berkowitz Channel and we trained from there and we didn't have any snow, so we had to stand for the dogs all the year and, and uh, to train and so on. So, it, it was a tough start the first year, but yeah, we managed to come to the finish line and did put on a really okay race actually to be my rookie year. So, I was happy with that. Yeah, I remember that year. I remember talking about it here on the podcast during I Did a Rod. Have you and I ever been on the show together? Have I interviewed you before? No, Adam. No. Nope. I, I I was thinking I didn't recall if I did or not, but I know you and I have been Facebook friends for a long time, and and it's always fun to follow you. So 2014 was your first year. I know that you've skipped some years here and there. I would imagine a lot of that is because it's just so difficult to get a dog team over here, right? No, the reason is COVID two years. It, it was, was COVID two years, and then I wasn't here and running, but it's since I run eight times and it's from start 14, so it's not so many years I actually missed out. So, But I mean, when I missed out the year, then I was feeling like I really want to do it next year and try to come back and so on because I, I got to learn so many good friends over here, so many people who helped me out. and. So this is my homeland about mushrooms for sure. So even if I live in Sweden, so to go here and do races here is always been my passion and what we dreamed about. And I have really much friends to help me out here. And I got a good connection, you know, because what we're doing over in Sweden, we have some symposium, we invite Alaska mushrooms over to our place. They can come and stay at my place. And I can see Sweden, Norway, we can go on different channels, we can and then when I come over here in Alaska, and, and people open the doors for me also, so I'm, I'm very happy with that. So I think this is what it's all about: this cooperation between different areas, because there is many mushrooms over in Alaska that are interesting. What we do over in Scandinavia also, so I think it's a win-win situation. Yes, for sure. I was just invited over to your guys' symposium. I believe it's happening in October. I'm looking forward to traveling over there and seeing your your uh your homeland and, and what it's all about oh sounds wonderful Robert. you're a warm, warm welcome yes for sure so let's talk a little bit about the logistics of getting a dog team over from that distance to here tell us a little bit about what it takes to do that yeah uh, that's the question we get from many people of course because it takes some some work to do it but when you have done it a couple of years you know how it works and so on. So I don't have a crew around me that do it just for me. I, I do it myself and just with my family around. So so what we're doing is actually we, we order tickets for, for the dogs and for the mushrooms to go over. And we can bring four dogs per flight over. So 
I drive the dogs down to Stockholm and then I fly rather to Chicago, Anchorage. So we go to, to Reykjavik, you know, Iceland and then to, to, to Alaska. So those two, two options we have. And one person, four dogs, and we think of the logistics. And if you want to get over 12 to 16 dogs here, you have to be three, four persons. So that's why I go back again, get some more dogs, come back here again, and so on. So, so yeah, it takes some logistics about that, but I've done it a couple of times. So I know the deal and so on. So it's nothing I really think about. It's just something I'm doing. So I'm really into doing it. And uh, it's, uh, this is what I really want to do. It. So, so you come over with four dogs per person. So four people for fl- per flight, or just uh, two at a time. You can only take one flight with four persons. So we just take flights maybe after each other in one day, and the other flight the other day. So this year I got a friend of me from Norway following me up with four dogs. I got four dogs and so on. So his name is Ebbo. I'm the Casper Piano with my team. It's both of my dogs. So that's good that they get some training and so on, and they're on the Casper with him and so on, and then. Uh, I'll go back and get some, some more dogs coming over again here and do start with a big logistic about taking the food drops and everything like that. Right. And I remember, Matt, during COVID, you guys were really struggling with um, uh, getting dogs in and out. If I c- recall, Thomas Werner had a real tough time getting his team back to Norway from, uh, from Iditarod. Was it tough to be able to travel back then? Yeah, it was it was super tough because you know the rules changed during the, the the time, so we never know what how what the rules and what is going to change now, and could we go there, could we go back and so on. So that's why I had to skip two years uh, around that period. I didn't think it was safe enough to, to go back and forward with my team and my dogs. So, so yeah, so, oh. so yeah, that, that that was a very tricky situation for everyone. Yeah. Okay. All right. So now that uh, you will have your dogs over here. Uh, very shortly, you had mentioned that uh, somebody's going to run in the Cusco 300 in just a couple of weeks. Do you have any other plans to run races, or are you just going to do training up to Iditarod? Yeah, well, maybe the, the Goose Bay, and then do some training up to Iditarod. It's only like two or three weeks after that, you know, so it's not so much time to, to before the race starts and so on. And I, since I will be here on my, on my own, it's also a lot of logistics I need to handle, and working and preparing the team and stuff like that. So the days, the days run fast when you are in uh, two or three weeks before food drops and uh, the race. So, so I know I have my schedule made and what I'm going to do and so on. So, so we're looking forward to that. I will be located in, in Willow area, which I like, like in also in Nick, I've been really much helped by Ray Reddington, family before also with, with uh, food drops logistics and helping out and so on. So I'm very happy to have good friends around when we come over here. Speaking of food drops, that's an interesting question. And I think a lot of the people that listen don't know what it takes to do that. So obviously you have to buy most of that stuff here in Alaska. You don't travel with that, right? No, you can't. Even if I want to travel over to my own kibble, my you know, meat and so on, you can't do it because you're not allowed to travel over here with the dog meat and stuff. But, but there are some really good good. Uh, Good meat and good future people around here, so so that's we are really pleased with that. So so we, we can get the logistics going, we can arrange everything. So but uh, it's also taking lots of help and friends and logistics around it. So I'm really really happy to have that. Right, and, and of course that also includes a whole bunch of booties and all of that other gear, not just food, right? Yeah, correct. And my my own uh, personal equipment and my. 
my own stuff and so on. Yeah. But it's, I think that's come also in dynamics a couple of times. So we know the routines and so on. But then we should all take time. So it's a goal. It's not a it's not a big team. I'm alone here and doing a lot all this stuff before the race. So since you have done this so many times, Matt, do you keep gear here, like a sled and harnesses and lines and all that, or do you uh, borrow that each time? No, I, I had stuff over here. I've been having sleds from Norway, and so I bring over here and have a guy who builds sleds for me from Norway here before. So, so, so I got sleds, I got some lines, I got stuff here also. But of course, uh, once in a time, you need to change some stuff, you need to have some stuff with you and so on. But yeah, just to make it better logistic and easier. So, I mean, coming over to Alaska, you have most of the stuff here, you have really good equipment and so on. But, if I need something special, I bring it with me. Okay. So let's switch gears here a little bit and talk about your dogs. You had talked about um, running a tour business there in Sweden. Uh, you have sort of a family history with with um, with uh, dog mushing and whatnot. Tell us about your dogs. Where do they come from? What what types are they? That sort of thing. Uh, thanks for, for, for asking because really my passion is a lot about Anyway, about breeding dogs and different bloodlines and so on, it's always been a really big passion for me. So it started in 2002 when I was over to, to Denali and my, my, one of my handlers was working for Jeff and helped him out there. And so I got to a good, good female dog from Yet King and then I started up with that a little bit. And then I was thinking, okay, I got a chance to, to, to do more of these bloodlines, mixed things in Scandinavian bloodlines with a lot of type of dog I like from, from Alaska and so on. So, 2010, I went over to Rome and uh, got a chance to buy four of Jeff's dogs when he finished uh, racing. So I was really pleased with that. I got a good, good, good relation with Jeff then. So I got some good dogs from, from him there. And then I got over to Scandinavia and been breeding with male dogs from the best kennels there. So I started to rebuild my kennel with new bloodlines, a uh, combination of Scandinavian bloodlines with some of that we have here. And then I also got some. Some more, more, more dogs from Full Game Bot, Seaweed Blood Bloodlines, Messy Bloodlines, and everything on this. Before you really find out what type of dog you want to sell, and so on. And now, find it out what I want and what, I, what I'm interested in. So, so it's always been a big passion for me about the dogs and the history of the dogs and what type of dogs are. And how many dogs do you have in your kennel over in Sweden? No, I actually have, have two kennels. I love in a kennel off the grid where, where the, we don't have any power and so on. So we live there. We have around 60 dogs uh, year round. So. And then I have the kennel where I live with my race dogs and so on. We have around 60 dogs there. Okay. All right. So tell us a bit about them. Um, do you have um, uh, typically bigger dogs or smaller dogs or kind of a combination? Yeah, type of a combination, but I always been a little bit more for type of the bigger dogs with well coated dogs and so on. So that's because we are living in North Sweden, we are twenty fifty kilometers above the polar surface. We have cold weather and so good feeds is super important for me and we got dogs of very good feeds and good fur and so on. So I can say until this day to day maybe maybe use the two hundred breeders. And the dogs in total. So we, we train the dogs without booties. We, we there are staying in the kennel without when we go training there without booties. So we try to build up really tough feeds for the dogs. And of course, it's very important to give them the best food available. And 
I go like because you have lots of fish, salmon, and mega sweet for the dogs and so on. So, so, so I think for us, it's been a key key about that. So, so the, the important thing for us is feeds good appetite and keep the weight good. I think that's two of the three most important things for us. So I typically ask my guests on here to tell us a story about one of their favorite dogs. And I know that you have quite a few to choose from. Can you share a story that maybe has never been told before? Yeah, sure. But I can do that. You know. Let's include a little bit of the story. You know, what happened with Linwood on, on the race a couple of years ago. Linwood Beardley from the Maserati. So uh, I had a lead dog named Holly. She's like your... Energizer, lead dog, and so on with some mixed bloodline from Alaska and the US. But the thing with her was always she she barked all the way. She went around the race and she, she was constantly barking on the trail when it's time to see something in the corner or something. So and she was uh, yeah, it's a wonderful lead dog, it's uh, crazy good and, and having in the team and finished all the depot run and all the tests and everything like that. So she was very, very good, very good dog. But, we, we come up the year uh, after Roan, and uh, Oli was in lead, and we come up to, to the section, uh, you know, without any snow conditions and so on. And suddenly we see, see a headlamp there, and we see Linwood standing uh, with his dad, without the team, you know. He didn't have, his team was uh, all 16 dogs running in front of him. And he just had the sled there, so the line was also from his team. And so, so without thinking, we just put his team behind my team and the sled behind my sled and we ran for hours in that bad section of the road to Nikolai to search for his dogs. We had 16 dogs uh, on, running on the line. But we found it was really in the night, there was in the hard winds and so we come out to a place called the Post River. So it's off the road, it's a river you pass with and with glare ice. And then uh, when we come down there, suddenly we see something in the horizon couple of hundred meters down and that's uh, looked like it's a little bit steam the dogs there so so I stopped the sled Linwood behind me and we had this holy barking leader he was in the front all the time and and uh, then Linwood went down on the river and they just come back to me and then when he turned around come back to me I see 64 eyes on the river walking together with him up to our team and that was uh, all the 16 dogs running around and, and, and my dog was there also so uh, it was like a for us it was a little dog dog whisper thing happening there you know 16 dogs everybody on the pug line everybody on the line without the sled and uh, Lima got the chance to get them just walking them slowly up to my and my teams so we did that as a team together a cooperation and uh, like when he just come up to me we both was so emotional as I because and that's probably the biggest fear that you can happen in the, the mushroom world for yourself. It's like using a full team of dogs attached to, to the game line and to helping without the sled behind. So, yeah, yeah, that, that, that is, that is a, an emotional feeling. Yes, that is a scary story and definitely, definitely emotional, especially when you're out in, in the middle of nowhere for sure. So, Matt, I don't want to keep you much longer. I know you're at a restaurant. You're getting ready to head back over to Sweden here tonight or early in the morning. So I guess I have just a couple of more questions for you. Um, obviously, um, all the time and effort that it takes, how do you feel about this year as I did a rod? Does the team look good? Do you feel good or what? Yeah, honestly, we're, I think we're 
always say the best team coming after us, but we have the best, most well trained and trained with Bond that I've ever had this year. We've been having amazing conditions and really good training. I don't know if the best team, but it's super well trained and, and I'm really pleased with it. We have no problems, no wrist injuries, no shoulder injuries, anything like that. So we're very, very pleased with that when we're coming up here for, for the race. And now it's like four or five weeks before and so on, so preparation and keep the boats happy and uh, everything like that. So it's looking really good and I'm really happy to be back again here and to be looking forward to the trails and meeting all my muscle friends here around and just to head out on the trail because this is what we like to do. We just want to be ourselves and the dogs out on the trail together. And that's one of few places you can still do it is doing that deep the trail. So I really like it. Very good. So, Mats, before we go, is there anything else you want to mention to, to the listeners? Yeah, I just want to say thanks to all the support we get about what we're doing, our passion here, and our uh, friends I got over in helping out when I'm, when I'm in Alaska, when I come over to different countries. So, I'm very, very happy about that, but we also want to invite people to move to Scandinavia and see the way we're running boats there to just get free. This sport bigger together, and uh, so I think for hopefully for future, I think we can do racing more in both countries. So I think that will grow the sport much for us all, and we can race both in Norway, Sweden, and in last and so on. So that's I think that's the next step to to make this sport a bit bigger and better for everybody. I, I agree with you, and I could not say that better myself. I think that is very important, and uh, being able to spread that. Spread that wealth, if you will, a little bit more is very important. Matt, where are you most active on social media? Is it Facebook, Instagram, or where? Yeah, we have Facebook and Instagram. We have a Instagram called Iron Dogs, Facebook, Matt Peterson. We have, and then I have Sleddog.se is our business webpage, Sleddog.se. So those, those three are we using most. Very good. And I will share those over on the show notes for sure. So our guest tonight is Mats Peterson, a Swedish musher over for Iditarod this year. Mats, thank you for joining us and we'll talk again soon. Okay. Thanks for having me, Robert. Thank you. On behalf of my guest today, this is Robert for Mushing. We will see you guys next time. Goodbye. Nobody covers dog sledding like mushing from First Paw Media. Our team of athletes, volunteers, race organizers, and mushers like Robert and Michelle Forto brings you closer to the sport. If it's happening, we are there. Live from the qualifying races in January and February, the Iditarod in March, and in the summer, mushing takes you on the road with our team and trail tour. We connect you with a history of the sport, in-depth interviews with a top mushers, and great storytelling and breaking news all year long. Follow on mushing.com.